Welcome to a special episode on Life in the Front Office. I'm your host, Jake Hirschman, and today I've got Brad Mangin along with Pat Gallagher. Brad is a freelance photographer in the San Francisco Bay Area, and, uh, you know, when, when we first started this podcast, Pat, we thought about who we could bring on and across, you know, what industries and what parts of the industry, and I gotta say, you know, we're about to cover photography, um, and, and ultimately why content is king today and uh, really excited to, to talk about, um, you know, at the end of the day, what's the old saying? A picture is worth a thousand words, something like that. So I think, uh, I think we'll have a lot to talk about um, and we'll, we'll go from there. But Pat, why don't you uh, introduce Brad and we'll go from there. Great. It's my, my pleasure. So Brad Manchin, he's the, hey, he's the pride of Washington High School in Fremont and San Jose State University. And I need to give you a little buildup. But, but also, most of the people listening to this have seen his work. I mean, he's published several books uh, after the Giants World Championships. He's had great images and covers on Sports Illustrated. And, you know, it's one of those things where he's been able to, uh, to, sh- to show people his work. And so he's regarded... He's going to be modest about this, but he's regarded as one of the greats in sports photography today. And part of the reason I want to talk to him is he's, you know, he's a, he, you know, we've seen each other from afar. We don't know each other well, but I've always admired his work. And what we want to find out today is really what, okay, about sports photography. And Brad, let me start off by saying, did you just wake up one day as a kid and say, you know, I want to start taking pictures. Tell us, tell us how it started. Well, th- thanks, guys. First, thanks for having me. Um, it's funny, Pat. You know, you uh, beginning your uh, pro sports career with the Giants in the seventies when I was a kid who was head over heels, just going bananas for the Giants when they were just awful. Um, I wanted to be the next Giants play-by-play radio announcer when I was a kid. Uh, I wanted to be the next Al Michaels. I mean, I, you know, I, I, I was born in 1965. I first really clicked with baseball when I was eight and 73, which was the last year of Lon Simmons and and Bill Thompson. And then in 74, Mm -hmm. here came Al Michaels and Art Ekman. It was one of the best years ever for me. That was the one year when, when we had Al Michaels and Lon Simmons together and I just thought that would be the coolest thing ever to to call Giants games on the radio. And then also, because I'm really nuts, I thought you guys had the greatest public address announcer around, Ralph Nelson. I just thought that the way he announced batters coming up to the plate, I thought, God, I wanted to be a PA announcer. I just I wanted to do whatever I could to get into the ballpark, and I thought, you know, calling games on the radio or, or being a PA guy would be really cool. Um, turns out I didn't have that great a voice. And before I even had time to really pursue radio in, in high school, it just so happens that we had a great, great photography teacher, uh, Paul Ficken in high school. And because of prop 13, we weren't able to take uh, electives till our junior year. And in the first semester of my junior year, my mom made me take typing because um, she was very practical and so I learned how to type in my first semester. And in my second semester, my best friend, Joe Gosen, was into photography. And he told me, you got to take basic photos. So I took basic photography my first semester. I mean, my second semester of my junior year. 
and really fell in love with it. And that summer I had saved up money while working um, at Chuck E. Cheese, literally wearing the mouse costume when I wasn't washing dishes or busting <laughs> tables. And I was going to buy a car, but instead I bought my first camera. And then my entire senior year in high school, I shot for the yearbook, took more photo classes and decided that I wanted to uh, major in photojournalism. And luckily, Ohlone Junior College uh, down the road in Fremont, where I lived, uh, my buddy Joe, we did everything together. We, I went to, to Ohlone, majored in photojournalism, got my AA degree, and then transferred to San Jose State, which at the time, in the mid to late 80s, had one of the top five programs in the entire country. And um, really just got in deep into just wanting to be a newspaper photographer, because back then... It was a real viable career and newspapers were thriving and there were so many great newspaper stars all over the country, especially here in the Bay Area that I could look up to and great newspapers that, that, that covered the area. And uh, quite frankly, that's all I ever wanted to do was be a newspaper photographer. Well, and you did it. And, you know, the, the, the thing about it, I mean, you've had your, you know, what a rush having your. Um, and tell me about what it was like when your first photograph was published in Sports Illustrated, or how about your first cover shot in Sports Illustrated? You've had a few. Well, what it well it's like? crazy. I mean, I you know you you when you facts things have changed so much. When I was in school, you know, you never even thought about working at Sports Illustrated. I mean, I didn't. It was it was you just wanted to work in a paper and. Back then, the goal was to get to a bigger paper like the Chronicle or the Mercury. They wouldn't even look at you unless you had five years experience. That's how things worked back then. So I worked at a small newspaper in Danville, the Ceremon Valley Times, which was part of the Contra Costa Times chain. And I shot tons of high school and Little League. And it's like the old school paying your dues, shooting black and white film. But I still got to do a little taste of pro sports. And I... Got a big break in 1990. There was this thing called the National Sports Daily that was a daily newspaper that the legendary sports writer Frank DeFord was starting all over the country. And uh, because of a great portfolio that I had that was mostly high school and Little League stuff, um, I was hired as the Bay Area staff photographer for the National Sports Daily at age 25. And Ray Ratta was our columnist and Mark Fainaruwada was our was our local beat writer. And so at age 25, it was incredible. Suddenly I'm traveling around the country, you know, at such a young age, shooting, shooting the world series, the super bowl and the NBA finals. And, uh, we blew through our hundred million dollars that was supposed to last five years, blew through it in a little over a year. And, <laughs> and, uh, the, the, the night Michael Jordan and the bulls won their first championship at the LA and on June 12th of 1991, I was out of a job, and um, which was like the worst day of my life up to that point. But because of the people I met traveling and working at all these big events, I met people that would uh, that would then help me uh, get my foot in the door at SI. Mainly Neil Leifer, one of the most famous sports photographers ever. He was my boss at the National, hired me at the National. He was an icon at SI. And um, before you knew it, I was able to get my foot in the door at SI at the end of 92. And that's when I started freelancing for them. 
So in terms of in terms of where photography's gone, you know, throughout your career, all the different events that you've been to, um, you went from Sports Illustrated, you worked for Major League Baseball, you've worked for the PGA Tour, doing events uh, all over the country. What's been maybe the one or two biggest things you've learned along the way? It's funny the the you know every experience is different you know depending on who you work for. Um, you know I've done I I did a lot of work in the '90s for the Upper Deck Trading Card Company when trading cards was a big deal and and it was great for photographers like me because it was a lot of uh, a lot of day rates is going for a month and you know, shoot beautiful stock pictures of guys swinging the bat and throwing the ball and also regular season stuff. I did a lot of football for them and, and it was fun to make, you know, the challenge of making, you know, great pictures of, of athletes. There wasn't the, the rush of deadlines and trying to make the picture for editorial. Um, to me, there's nothing like the, the fear, the thrill, the, the, the the butterflies of boy I better get the picture when you're on deadline, be it at the newspaper or at the highest level at SI. I mean, you know you can. Uh, I have tons of friends that are great sports writers, but you know they could be in the press box, and they can watch something or or miss it, but they can watch the replay and they can still write about it. If you're a photographer and you miss it, you're toast. You can't say hey, can you guys like run that pass play again or can you die for that ball? Again? You know, and and you have, depending on who you're working for, you have an editor who might just scream at you. And and at Sports Illustrated in the heyday, when when it was a bigger deal, the magazine carried a lot more clout before the internet and before all the social media stuff. You know, we'd have several photographers at every big game and and shooting slide film and you can't see your pictures like you can now in the back of your camera and after the game it was going to sfo and it's the airport in san francisco and go to you know air cargo and shipping my raw we call raw film just rolls of film on united flight 78 the red eye from san francisco to newark (laughs) and it's going to land at Mm -hmm. 6 15 in the morning and I, you know, I'm shipping my 20 to 30 rolls of film from that 49er game or A's game or Raider game or Giants game or whatever. And you don't know what's in there. And the courier picks it up the next morning while you're still asleep with the time difference. And generally, they would never even call you the next day. You'd have to call them and, and kind of like judge by their voice. Like, hey, how did the film look? You know, did that one picture turn out? Because you don't know about exposure, focus, anything. And they see all of your mistakes. And when you come through and get the picture of the play in focus and exposed, and then it actually gets selected to run in 3.2 million magazines that get printed on Tuesday, you know, that's, that's an adrenaline rush that is just uh, is the biggest thing uh, that I would ever go through during the last, you know, whole bunch of years of being a photographer. Well, so Brad, you know, you're, we're all at events and we're, you know, we're watching, looking for different things. If you're a photographer, you're thinking about different things because you're, you know, you're trying to capture. So what it's simple. What does it, what does it take to make a great picture? I mean, how do you tell when you have a great picture? Well, the, 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 the one thing is 
you know, you go to a game, depending on the game or event or whatever, and, you know, there's a lot of photographers. Um, unfortunately, because the way things have gone in the business, at a lot of events now, there's not as many photographers as there used to be. But to me, you don't want to be where everyone else is because you don't want the same picture. And at SI, we were very fortunate to have great editors that would support you to shoot from different spots, especially because the magazine's not going to come out till Wednesday or Thursday. Everyone's seen the normal stuff in the newspaper or online or wherever. So they would back you to take a chance to go to a risky place and where it was really sink or swim. If you got something that was going to be amazing or you'd be blocked and not get anything at all. And that paid off a lot during all like the Barry Bonds home run stuff that, that we did. And, and I was able to make pictures that were, that were pretty terrific covering a big story for us that, nobody else had like you don't want to go shoot Barry Bonds setting a home run record and shoot a picture that looks like a baseball card you know you want to put him in the stadium it's the whole sense of time sense of place sense of history you want to shoot wide you want to use different remote cameras or do something that's different um, that you can look back on and know where it was when it happened and not just a tight picture of a guy swinging a bat from first base and having editors that support you and, and back you on stuff like that. And you learn also, I mean, we're constantly learning. I mean, when I came out of school, I thought one way because you shoot one way for a newspaper, but when you have a magazine that's going to run, you know, two page spread double trucks in the magazine with good reproduction, you could shoot wider and then you leave room for type and, and it's, it's a whole different sense of, of doing photography. And it's, it's, I, it's a constant learning thing and different editors push you. And, and I mean, there's nothing like working with great people, um, you know, that you don't have to be in the office with them, you know, they're in New York and I'm here and, and we're talking and constantly going over, especially baseball, I did so much baseball and it's, you know, this batter goes this way, that way. He's a head up guy, head down guys, one, one arm finish and finish, you know, where's he, do we shoot him from first, third, inside first, you know, inside third, outside the outfield, you know, there's, there's a lot of times there's, there's really way more thought into where you want to be than, than people would think. Yeah, and so I, you know, we, now we've all, now that we all have these, you know, these personal digital assistants, these iPhones, we've all sort of become amateur photographers and we all do those things. But I, I know I've been, I looked at it and you're sort of a big proponent of Instagram and you, you've done some stuff on Instagram. What, what can you say to a, sort of an average person about what, what should we do to get better pictures? You know, I have just, I really fell in love with iPhone photography and Instagram in a big way, when I, I finally, it's funny, when, when iPhones came out, I thought they were really cool. But where I live, the first iPhones, you had to have, God, I already forget now. You had to have AT&T. You, there was only one carrier. I think it was AT&T. And I'm Verizon. And AT&T wouldn't work at my house. So I couldn't have an iPhone because <laughs> AT&T coverage is terrible. And so they finally... <laughs> allowed other carriers at the end of 2011 and it was when the iphone 4s came out so that's when i got my first iphone 
And so then I go to spring training for Sports Illustrated in um, end of February 2012. And I'm goofing around shooting pictures with my phone. Back then, Instagram was mostly all iPhone. People weren't, photographers weren't shooting real pictures with their real cameras and then putting them on Instagram. It was pretty much like Twitter with a phone, you know, here's a picture or whatever. Mm -hmm. This is where I am. And the iPhone 4S was a big upgrade camera wise from the four. And so I just thought it was so cool. Like here I am in the dugout at Scottsdale stadium or wherever. And here's a picture of bats, balls, gloves, helmets, whatever. And I started taking these pictures and sharing them and, and my my editor at the magazine loved what I was doing and and I kept doing it before you knew it. In July, we kind of made history. We ran in SI, we ran six consecutive pages, three double trucks in a row of eighteen of my iPhone baseball Instagrams. Um, that was a huge deal. It was the first glossy magazine to do something like that. And the reproduction was great and it was you know, I was doing things that that people hadn't really done before is looking at little details of the game. You know, you can't shoot, you know, a guy hitting a ball or a pitcher or, you know, someone making a, making a catch in the outfield with a phone, but what can you do? You can, you know, you can get close to things and little details. And that's one thing that anyone can do with a phone is once you know that, you know, you have basically a wide angle lens or a normal type of lens, is is back off and and fill the frame and i always act like i'm trying to make a painting and and i love clouds if there's good clouds you know fill your sky use your sky to fill up the frame and you know look for good light either early in the morning or late in the day and you know and faces uh my god you know it's so much of photography is great faces emotion that people love to see um and backgrounds. Backgrounds is a huge, you see it in my, my, I call them my normal pictures with my real cameras, you know, clean backgrounds. You don't want to see chain link fences and cars in the parking lot, you know, behind the left field fence. You know, you want to, you want to position yourself where the background is clean and then let the action happen or whatever. And in front of that, you know, it's all about making pictures pleasing to the eye people everyone looks at photographs every day everyone takes pictures almost every day and if you're an amateur you might not know why you like a picture other than you, that you like it but if, if you study it usually it's because it's got a lot of neat things going on and it's pretty to look at it's got great light great color great backgrounds great emotion in the faces usually people are just too far away and that's an old cliche but just get closer and you can really do that with the phones and and make some wonderful pictures brad how, how much of today's technology can affect the pictures if even if you don't get the greatest one can you make it the greatest one or what is that what is that like well today? I'll, I'll tell you the one one of the things that's that relates to what people like i do is um night game <laughs> Night games or games inside of dome stadiums. Um, you know, in the old days, it, 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 if it was at night, uh, well, in the real old days, you had to use black and white film or what we call color negative film. Um, you know, color film that 
it's not slide film, but that makes prints. And that stuff is god awful. I mean, it, the, 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 it's it's grainy. Everything looks kind of brown and yellow, and the quality is horrible, just horrendous. With the digital now, which just keeps getting better and better, it's kind of leveled off over the last seven or eight years. Pictures from night games, unless it's in this like the worst lit high school field ever, but like at college and pro level lit stadiums, the the quality is incredible. I mean, the stuff we shoot looks amazing. I mean, we used to uh, 49er game, just to, as an example, 49er games at Candlestick, which was one of the best places. Pictures of Candlestick Park of 49er games where people would fly 3,000 miles from the East Coast to shoot football at Candlestick on color slide film. It was so great. Uh, the way just the way the light was. But by the middle of the third quarter in the fall, after daylight savings time, we'd lose the light and go to shade. And by then you'd have to put color negative film in your camera. And you just knew you didn't even want to shoot pictures because you knew the pictures were going to look awful. The slide film stuff in the first three quarters was going to be amazing. And then the stuff was just garbage. Well, now your pictures look so good um, regardless. And it's, you know, people, we shoot night games. Um, I mean, at SI, we never, ever, ever, you just, you didn't shoot night game period, unless it was a playoff or world series game. But now it doesn't matter. You can shoot night games because the quality is amazing. And that's a big technology thing um, with, uh, with digital. And, and it's, it's, it's crazy because the, the sensors and the cameras can just see stuff that, that we couldn't, you know, we, we couldn't, you, you just couldn't see with, with film. Um, it's funny. I, I worked on, um, the, the Ken Burns baseball documentary that, uh, that came out in 1994, they came out with the 10th inning in 2010, which I can't believe mm-hmm. was nine years ago. And I worked with uh, one of the, the producers, Michael Welt, um, they used a bunch of my pictures in the 10th inning. So I was started working with them in like 08 and 09. And he was fun. He was, cause he was doing all the picture research and he, he was laughing. He says, all these pictures from the mid to late nineties were horrible. It was a black hole in photography because it was all really bad color neg or early bad digital. And the pictures were almost unusable they were so bad yet at the same time he was working on a on a ken burns film about the prohibition and those pictures from the 20s and 30s were better the quality because (laughs) because it was medium format black and white gorgeous big negatives great quality um now everything is fabulous now everything all the cameras are great everything looks great you know you could take pictures with your iphone that are yeah, they keep getting better and better and the sensors are better and and you can take pictures indoors without a flash and get the use the ambient light to create a mood yet there's it's not a lot of grain and hazy smoky blacks you know stuff looks good it's um it's it's really incredible the the technology's allowed our pictures to look so good yet don't get me wrong. There's still a lot of really bad pictures out there. You still got to know what you're doing. 
Yeah, you well, know, my, uh, my friend, uh, my friend, and you, you knew him too, Jim Marshall, who was the, he was a character, oh was, my uh, kind of a famous oh, yes. rock and roll photographer, but he had a great line. I mean, he was a total character. I mean, but he said, he told me, uh, he said, you know, I take care of my negatives yes. and they take care of yes. me, <laughs> yes. which is a terrific <laughs> line for a photographer. So, so how do you take, I mean, this is business. How do you take care of your, of your well, your that's a, How do you take care of your art? That's a great question. Um, Jim Marshall, I was so lucky to to get to know him a bit towards the end because of our, our mutual friend, Michael Zagaris, and got to go to Marshall's house and get some prints from him. And oh my gosh, what a, what a legend. Um, I learned a lot from him about keeping your copyright and protecting your stuff. I luckily had a lot of smart friends like him that taught me early and because of technology and other directions there's ways of maintaining your archive online and lucky for photographers like myself um one of the companies that's around called photo shelter who happens to be run by some good friends of mine out of new york city started in 2005 where you can upload an archive and caption and store all your images, have them searchable, license images from there. So on my photo shelter archive, I have to date about 105,000 images that are searchable online. Anyone could go look at them dating back to 87. And it's, wow. I keep it up to date pretty much within a day or two after I shoot a game I also have about 6,000 of my slides that have been scanned because we shot slides until 02. Um, we had to shoot, we had to go to digital. Sports Illustrated went digital in 03 because there was finally a new Canon camera that came out that they thought produced a good enough file to run as a two page spread. And they were shutting down the Timeline Photo Lab in 03. So, Everything up until O2 is slides, and I've had over 6,000 of those scanned in the gigantic files that are all captioned and in my, you know, in my archive. You know, if you, if you, de you know, if you want a beautiful color slide of Mike Lacoste pitching at Candlestick Park in 1987, I got it. It's there in my archive. You know, I, I'm, I'm sure there's a big, big demand, demand but you know what? I got them. I got them. You, you know, can, I, you I, anyone I shot, I, I, you know, you went Dave Henderson as a giant. I got him in 1987. Wow. So, 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 so talk a little, you know, you, you kind of mentioned the athletes. So you're a photographer. What's your relationship like with athletes? I mean, what do you, you know, what, I mean, you're, you're basically, you know, capturing them. How do they, you know, them? that's, it's, it's funny. I'm, I'm, I'm a horrible, I'm a pretty shy person. I'm a horrible small talk guy. Like I don't have much to say to these guys and I I don't I I've been around enough and I know the demands on their time and with everything from the fans and autographs and radio and television and the beat writers I don't bother too many of them um, I mean guys see me around I I uh, you know our our good friend Michael Zagaris I mean he's the you know the is opposite and is talkative and as it can get and i you know i wish i could be like that but you can't you can't force it and have that in your personality um i mean i've gotten to know some guys 
over the years and and um um you know it's uh lately i got i got to know a couple of of giants in recent years and 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 actually i've it's i never really got to know players and their families and through some weird circumstances i did and then one of them got traded away and it was like the it's like i don't want to ever go through that again because then i saw like the business side of things and and how things are and it's like oh it's it's a lot easier when you don't know or care if someone gets traded or dfa'd or whatever it's uh <laughs> you start to see the other side of things and i mean i i know what it is because i've been around the game in sports for you know over 30 years but it's uh you know you when you you grow attached to some people and then they're gone it's uh that's a huge bummer um because you look forward to seeing certain people every day and uh and then when they're not there and then you get pissed like why did they trade this guy and you know and 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 then you get <laughs> mad at the team and mad at the gm and and uh it's a it's a funny thing and and i don't i've never been a real big portrait photographer when you do portraits you get to spend a lot more one-on-one time uh with guys in the studio and stuff and um that's usually they there are certain photographers that do that kind of stuff really really well and specialties and um i've always been more of the the guy at the ballpark that shoots the action and the pregame and stuff like that brad in, in terms of kind of photography as a profession i know I have uh, quite a few friends from my last job at uh, Purdue and in college athletics where uh, a lot of the photographers are graphic designers and the graphic designers are photographers and social media people are photographers. <laughs> it seems like everyone's a photographer. Um, how, you know, how do you utilize photography in today's job world and day and age? And, you know, what is, if someone wanted to get into, you know, being a graphic design or uh, someone who's shooting the action at the games, what do they, what do they need to do? You know, it's it's a great question. First of all, I, I don't know. I, I have some friends who are great designers, but I don't know anything about that field. So I can't say anything about getting into being a designer. Um, what I would say is, the like any boy, the more you know, it's, it's there. I see so many great opportunities for talented young people in different social media um, jobs and, and, and different organizations and companies need people in the communication business. And if you could come out of school and if you can do video and if you can, you know, take pictures and do anything that is so critical because I, I mean, I've seen, people move up from uh, uh, a young woman I know who was an intern with the Giants a few years ago. Then she got a job doing social media for the Padres. And then recently she got a big job uh, with Adidas soccer doing social media. And, you know, she just keeps moving up the ladder. She's super cool young lady. She's very talented. Um, She, you know, it's, it's the talented, smart young people that, can do a lot of things um have have great futures in this stuff it's it's tough being doing the type of things that people like like i did in my age it's a lot more difficult basically because i did the whole newspaper path and everything and 
sadly, the newspaper business is in big trouble. And, you know, just locally, the San Francisco Chronicle used to have 45 photographers. Now they're down to about 10. You know, it's it's all these newspapers have folded and merged and gone out of business. So it's it was newspapers for for decades was a great train where I mean, I interned at the Contra Costa Times in Walnut Creek and in, in 1987 and in 88 and the photographers there they're all retired now but they're still my dear friends and they were so helpful to me and and a lot of photographers now out of school don't get training so much they get thrown into jobs and don't get a lot of feedback don't get people editing their stuff and it's kind of they just kind of have to feed the beast of wherever they're working and they don't uh they don't learn of learn a lot. I see a lot of young kids that are shooting, trying to get by, and they're not. They don't have mentors. They're not learning a lot. And I was really lucky. I always had people around that helped me and that would, you know, tell me that this isn't good, and and and, and you need to go redo it, or you need to do better next time. And that's the only way you really learn. Um, but the kids. The kids coming out now that that have a lot of the different skills and that, you know, every kid I see now is so good with the phone and does things so quickly and so second natured. Um, that all is a huge benefit. It's so so, Brad, you know, you've done all the sports. What's what's the what's the most difficult sport to for a photographer? I mean, you know, what, what's the what what are the. You know, what, what are the ones that are really a challenge to get a good picture? I think the one I always say, and I haven't done much of it, and it's been years, is hockey. I see there are more bad <laughs> hockey pictures because um, <laughs> it's just it's always like a couple guys in a puck. Um, there's uh, um, <laughs> it's indoor. It's indoors. Yeah. Well, it just, is. you know, there's there's no light to play with. So you can't play with any light. It's but it's just it yeah. is. So incredibly fast. It is so fast. There's, it's so hard that there was one photographer um, in this country. I, I, I can't tell you about other parts of the world. But in this country, there's a photographer named David Clutho. K-L-U-T-H-O. David Clutho has worked for Sports Illustrated forever. He lives in St. Louis. He's the best hockey photographer in the world. He just, he just is. And he's amazing. And everyone just knows that he is the guy and it's, it's, it's crazy. The pictures he makes and it's the game is so fast and people are able to put um, remote cameras in the goals and in the nets and do different things. But man, I'm telling you, it's, it's the easy thing is to go up high, go overhead and shoot with a long lens and the pictures are really pedestrian you got to be down low ice level and get stuff and it's just it's man i tell you those those pictures are really hard and 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 i'm biased i do a lot of baseball good baseball is tough because you know you go to a baseball game and nothing happens you know you gotta yeah you gotta be ready for that one play you know, sports like basketball, you can go to a basketball game and make a picture in five minutes. Um, you know, it might not be a 10 out of 10, but it's an eight out of 10 because they're such great athletes. They're running around. There's a lot of great action all over the place. Kind of the same with football. It might, you're not going to get the defining play of the game in five minutes, but 
there's stuff going on. Baseball, you don't want to come back with just a guy swinging a bat. You want to come back with something interesting, some great action. And But the thing is, there's no action in baseball like there used to be. I mean, when I started in the 80s, it was a cliche to get someone stealing second base in the first inning. It was such a cliche, like you weren't allowed to come back with that anymore. Well, now no one steals second base ever. Right. It's <laughs> Or it was to have a picture of a double play at second base with like a, a guy taking out the, the base runner taking out the second base with a shortstop. You know, Will Clark would go in hard at the second base. I have pictures of him. He would grab guys' ankles when he would go in hard. You know, never happens anymore. Well, you can't because – I was going to say, there's, Still, there's some new rules. There's new yeah. rules. Thing, you know, the, the collision. The I mean, getting good action is harder than it used to be. Um, well, and, and and with the replays now, umpires aren't as animated as they used oh, to exactly. be. Oh, exactly. I mean, you, you don't see those kinds of arguments and stuff anymore, which, you know, they were just entertaining. Oh, um, well, I, I and, guys, about... and you don't get the emotion. I mean, I, I mean the, seven, the, the 80s Giants – if Will Clark struck out a big situation, I mean, I have more pictures of him. He would throw his helmet, throw his bat, kick the dirt. It was awesome. Same with Matt Williams. Guys would go nuts. And and those are storytelling pictures. If they lose, that's a great storytelling picture. And 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 guys are more sanitized these days. And it's um um it's you know it's a little. It's a little different. You love the characters. You love the characters of the game. And, um, and, and, and some, you just, I mean, you knew, you know, you just couldn't take your camera off of Will Clark because he was always going to do something. And, um, you know, you, you, you really gravitate towards players like that. Well, and he had the great facial ah. expressions too. I mean, I mean, you could get his face and. <laughs> well, and also if you were, if you were his... shooting your first base at Candlestick, those big old boxes we had, I was just, I, I yeah. think about this all the time and, and, and the Giants were playing defense and he's, and he's holding a runner on, you know, we can hear, you know, we're close to, you know, if a runner would go, he would just scream going, you know, he would just, <laughs> you know, and, and, and it was just, you were like, you're part of the game down there. And, oh my gosh, it was just something, so, uh, something else. So, so Brad, as as we kind of uh, put a put a uh, a bow on on the episode, what's maybe the one thing that you've enjoyed uh, the most throughout your career? Uh, whether it's one game, one event, one picture, I doubt you could point to one picture out of your. Would you say hundred and five thousand? Well, that, those are edited. Do, those right? are yeah. Those are edited pictures. I've shot like a million times more than that. <laughs> <laughs> What what would be the one thing that that first pops to your mind? The bet that's it. the the one thing that is that I always come back to are the over the years it's the great the great people the great friends that I've met, um, uh, be it photographers, writers, people that work for different ball clubs. Um, you know, it's funny. I was just in Cleveland last week shooting the All Star Game for Sports Illustrated and. It's funny. It's changed a lot. Uh, you know, the business has changed. Now suddenly I'm one of the older guys there. I ran into a few um, great older photographer friends that I hadn't seen in a long time. And and then I see Pedro Gomez from ESPN. I see him in the hallway 
he had a studio set up for ESPN where he was grabbing guys to do interviews. I mean, I shot Pedro's Christmas card picture in 1992 or three or something. His son, Rio, who I shot his son, Rio, when he was a baby. Now he's pitching in high A ball on the Red Sox chain. Oh, and, right. you know, I said, I get to see Pedro and we just talked and talked and talked for two days. And, you know, you run into different people at different events and, and you tell old stories and, and, you know, it's like anytime I get to see Bruce Jenkins from the Chronicle anywhere or all these different photographers that I used to see a lot more when, when there was more money to travel and especially at Sports Illustrated, we used to do games where there'd be five of us and, you know, there's going out to dinner a lot and hanging out and spring training in the old days forever and ever and ever. I'd be there for two to three to four weeks. And, you know, we'd all get together for, for dinners. Um, you know, our dear friend, Michael Zagaris, I mean, we, his birthday's in February. We'd always have a big birthday dinner for him in Old Town Scottsdale. Sometimes we'd have over 30 people. People would fly in from all over the country just for Z's birthday. And now I haven't been to spring training in like four years because, there's you know the business is rough the business has changed and so you miss the friend you miss the friends um and and i know we i took it for granted a long time when you'd see a lot of good friends at the ballpark and at different things but so many great memories of of uh of working with different great people and, and seeing each other and and you know, when I get to do, I did 17 straight World Series for Major League Baseball from 2000 to 2016. And, you know, the the games were fun. The whole thing was great. But, you know, the best part is, especially as I got older, is getting to see some great friends. Um, you know, there's, there's only a couple photographers left that have shot every single Super Bowl. Um, but, you know, they're friends of mine. And then a couple of them just dropped off recently but they're friends of mine too and there's these great the older generation uh, that's ahead of me luckily i'm friends with those guys these great old guys in their 70s and 80s and they're legends and they're the people that taught me stuff and and that's what means a lot to me is getting to see these folks and and hear their stories um you know that's that's what i remember more than you know who got the hit in the in the top of the sixth it's it's the, the personal stories it's all all about the relationships would, right pat it is i would always you know and i would sort of you know i always sort of you know people laugh because i always people say well what did I, I what do i do i said i always was in the fun i looked at it as it was the fun business yeah we all have to you know we all have to make a living and all that but it was you know we actually we actually got paid to do things that other people paid to see right and it's a it's but the best part of it was the people and it's still the people yes and um we're a you know we're a big uh, fraternity sorority if you will of people who uh got a chance to do this and and uh you know i i I guess i'll just leave it with you know our friend mike kruko who always kind of said looking at his buddy Kuiper and saying, you know, can you believe we actually get paid oh. to do this? <laughs> well, I got to, I got to tell you real, real quick, this, and Pat, this is, this is for you. Um, last year was the Giants 60th anniversary in San Francisco. So they brought yeah. back different players and they brought back one of my all time favorites. One of your guys, John Montefusco and the count. they brought the count back by himself to throw out a first pitch on a Sunday 
and I got there early and he was one of, oh my gosh, he was one of my guys. I mean, I, I watched his first game on TV at Dodger stadium, the whole thing. And I get there early and I go up to him in the dugout and introduce myself. And it was funny because he was by himself. He had a Jersey on no one. Mario Aliotto hadn't gone over there yet. So he didn't really know anybody. And suddenly he had someone to talk to who knew who he was and his face <laughs> lit up. And I'm talking about the Mike Ivy grand slam game where he, where he beat Sutton and he's going on and on about that game and more details. And it was the coolest thing ever. I mean, to see him and then boy, he still got and that entertainment bone in his body. And when he took the field and waved to the crowd and being able, you know, I was, I was pitching myself that day that I, you know, I got to talk to the town and, and this guy was everything to me when I was a kid and, and, and the style he has and the memories of his moments. I was just, it was one of the coolest things ever. Pat, any last words? I, I don't I, think I, I so, think Brad. Brad you, I think Brad you, said it. You said it, and it's you know it's the magic of sports, and you know Brad, you've you've got you've recorded it, and you've got so many images, and uh, you know um, that's that's your legacy is you've actually recorded it, and uh, you know someday we'll figure out ways for people to see it. So well, I appreciate it. Well- If anyone wants, if anyone's bored and wants to go look for that picture of Michael Koss, <laughs> all I got to do is go to manjinphotography.com where they can see my portfolio and then search my archive. You don't need a password to go look and you can search for Mike Aldretti or any, any of your favorite giants since wow. 1987. They're there. Wow. You know, it's, it's mansion photography. Was it mansionphotography.com? Yes. Mansionphotography.com. Okay. It's free to look and, and just, uh, Relive some memories, and, you, and you've Very got good. and you've got quite the amount of followers on Instagram. Where can they follow you? Oh yeah, my Instagram is B Mangin B M A N G I N on Instagram, and my Instagram is all iPhone stuff. And so I, I started at iPhone, and I've kept it that way, and um, see how much longer I can keep it that way. But um, yeah, it's uh, there's there's uh, um, always some fun stuff up there, also. Well, Brad, thanks, Great. thanks again for uh, your time today and really enjoyed having you on Mike in the front office. And uh, we'll certainly look forward to, to capturing those moments uh, in the future. 